everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heart of Flesh podcast. Again, this is Jackson Hankey, joined here by my friend James Kayser. What up? And today, um, we are going to do an episode that is all about the spiritual discipline of prayer. Yeah, we're, g- we're going to talk about prayer. Um, now, as, as often happens, um, as we think about and prepare these episodes, they are very fruitful for us in our own lives. And one thing that I just want to start with that I've been reflecting on getting ready for this episode is the the amazing privilege of prayer. You see, we realize that at the heart of prayer is a relational intimacy with God. Um, we know that God has, has existed from all time in, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he's relational in His very being. He has created us in His image and created all things. And throughout all of history, God has, has given to us and spoken to us his word. And in that, he also invites us to speak back to him, to make our requests known to him, um, to pour out our hearts before him. And that is an amazing and a tremendous privilege that we have. Um, what, a, what a joy that is. And it's one that we just often neglect. Uh, and, and frankly, like, we just, we just don't, we don't do this well. And, and it's such a gift. Um, so as I've been, as I've just been, been thinking about this, this podcast, uh, going forward, like, I just want us to reflect on, on the privilege that it is, uh, that the holy, holy, holy God of all the universe has invited us by the blood of Christ, uh, to come into his presence in prayer. Yeah. With confidence and boldness. Yep. And, and he is the same God who is completely sovereign over history and over all things. Um, he is competent to answer our prayers. And he also um, shows clearly in his word and, and throughout history, most of all in Christ, that he does care for us. And he uh, delights to hear from his children. That's right. Yeah. And this is just, what, what a privilege that is. Um, we, we can reflect on, on our own sinfulness, our, our, own, like, our own fallenness before God, and yet he is gracious that throughout history he, is, he has spoken first to us. He has sought us out, and he invites us also to speak back to him. So as we go through prayer, I just I just want us to keep in mind that that is such a tremendous privilege. It really is. Now, <clears throat> when we think about prayer, you know, I think the first thing that I want to say, um, you know, we're talking about a number of different spiritual disciplines here. Uh, and the last one we talked about was Bible intake. And I think it's so important that these two things, Bible intake and prayer, are kind of rising together in the Christian life, if that makes sense. Now, we often use this analogy, but you could think about like a ditch, right? Um, now, on one side of that ditch, you have a man who knows the Bible very well. Um, he understands theology very well. He has the right theology. Uh, if you ask him questions about theology, he will give you the right answer. But he has little to no prayer life, right? That, that is one ditch that we want to avoid. Um, it, and, and it is important, as, as we're going to talk about, it's so important that we understand God's word, that we have the right theology, that we believe the right things. But at the end of the day, if they're not drawing us closer to God Mm -hmm. um, in worship of him and a desire to live for him, then they're not accomplishing their true purpose, right? So that's one side of the ditch. Now, on the other side of the ditch, you have the man who might spend much time in prayer, um, but because he doesn't read and understand his Bible, he doesn't understand well the God that he's praying to, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and, and prayer, as, as we're going to talk about prayer, apart from being informed by the word, uh, it is lacking something, if that makes sense. The scriptures 
knowledge of the scripture teaches us how to pray. So what we want to do is we really want to avoid these two ditches. And we should see, hopefully in our lives, um, a combination of uh, scripture intake and prayer just rising together. That, that, that's kind of our hope in doing this. Um, and in that, that we would see the, 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 great, the great fruit of that in our lives and in the lives of the people around us as well. Yeah, I think we've given the analogy before, but at the end of the day, we're in relationship with God and, and praise God for that. We've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. We were once enemies at war with God, and now he calls us his, his child. And like a parent to a child relationship, you communicate. Um, and the way in which you grow a relationship is through communication. And like to the born again believer, <clears throat> prayer is kind of like, like crying to a child. You're giving some form of com- like communication when you're born. You have the ability to, to cry. They come out and they know how to cry. When you're born again, there's a sense in which you just began to pray. Um, but crying isn't the most sufficient or effective way to communicate. Um, as you grow in maturity and stature, you, you begin to learn words and how to speak to your parents more effectively. And the same thing with prayer. Um, as we grow in spiritual maturity, so should our prayer life. Um, and that doesn't always just look like time, but it looks like in, intentionality in prayer um, and giving the Lord all of our heart. And so like our private prayer life is really a, a true measure of, of who we are spiritually, I think. Yeah, I, that's a great point, James. One of the things you said is um, communication and relationship. I guess one thing I wanted to note in that is just this idea of communication like, and, and how these things work together. In the scriptures, we find God speaking to us, mm-hmm. right? He, he has begun this conversation, and he speaks to us. And when we respond in prayer, we, we are essentially speaking back to him. So in order for, for communication to happen, it really flows both ways. Now, I just thought of, you know, as you were talking about that, I thought of a, a proverb that I think is helpful when it comes to prayer. But I'm going to read this quick. It's from Proverbs 28, and it's verse 9. It says this, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Mm. So basically the idea there is that if one turns away, so, th- so the law being the Old Testament, right? Um, was one turns away from hearing from God in order to be instructed by him, it says even his prayer is an abomination. And there's this truth to that. We, if we don't understand God who we're praying to, and if we fail to let God's, God's words speak into our lives to expose our sin and to guide us onto right paths, uh, then, then our prayers will essentially be meaningless, right? That's kind of the picture there. Um, so it is this, it is this, this, this two, two-way communication. Mm-hmm. Now, as we, look at, as we look at just this, this idea of prayer, too, I, I hope we understand how important it is, and we're going to get into that. Um, but one thing I want to mention is when we look at church history, when we see the men who have been most used by God, uh, we see that they are men of tremendous prayer. We, we really do. Th- they're also men of, of tremendous uh, scriptural knowledge, if that makes sense. They, they study the Bible and pray. Now, I want to I wanna give a few examples, but um, even as I look at this, like th- these men that I'm going to mention, th- th- there's many ways in which they differ. There's many things about which they differ. You know, there's things in the Christian faith about which godly men can disagree. Um, and, and these men I'm going to quote do, but there is one thing that these men share, 
Um, they, they lived lives devoted to the word of God and to prayer. And they were all used by God in many ways. So I'm going to quote, um, the first one I'm going to quote is Martin Luther. Uh, one time Martin Luther had someone ask him uh, what his plans were for the day. And I've used this one before, but he said, his response was, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, I, I love that response and I love the heart that's behind that as well. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but so often our, our just obsession with busyness and, and our own concepts of productivity can get in the way uh, of our spiritual growth and our, and our time that we need um, communing with God. So that's Luther, a uh, famous German reformer of the Protestant Reformation. Another one, John Wesley. John Wesley used to say that, uh, and he was, he was an Englishman. Uh, he was very prominent in the first great awakening in the United States and Britain. Um, he, he preached astronomical amounts. I think he used to write sermons on horseback when he was traveling to preach what? places, <laughs> which is just unbelievable. I think he even like created something where he could write sermons on horseback. Um, but he said that he thought very little of the man who prayed for less than four hours a day. Now, now that is, <laughs> that is a very convicting, uh, quote. Now, not, not sure that all of us. Four, was it four hours a week? Yeah. <laughs> no, he said four hours a day. Wow. So he used to, I think he used to even wake up at four in the morning um, and pray. Now, it, it's very true, even in saying that, like, not all of us are going to are gonna do the same thing as Martin Luther and John Wesley. But I think there's principles there, uh, and there's a heart behind this, that men who've been used by God in history have been men of great amounts of prayer. They, they really have been. Um, another guy I'm going to quote here, uh, David Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, he was a, a well-known preacher in England throughout the 20th century, one of the most well-known. But one time his wife, um, when she was being asked about him, she said, you cannot understand my husband as a preacher or even an, a- or even an evangelist unless you understand my husband as a man of prayer. Yeah, and that's, um, so that's what his wife said about him. And obviously she, living with him, she could see the fruit of that. Uh, the last one I want to mention, Charles Spurgeon, he said that the prayers... Uh, he said that prayers give wings to proclamation. Um, prayers give wings to the proclamation of the church, uh, proclaiming the gospel to the world, to the communities that we live in. They give wings. Prayers give wings to the preacher as he stands in the pulpit mm-hmm. as well. And above all these men, we see Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, in, in prayer to his father through his life and ministry. Jesus was in the wilderness for, for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He gets out. He does a little bit of ministry, and then he goes right back into the woods to pray for a whole night with his father. Yeah. Yeah, we see him often in the Gospels escaping uh, to be alone and to pray. And I think even the heart in that, I think it was his delight to spend time in prayer. Yeah. A joy. All right, James, you put a a little definition of prayer here. Do you want to read that quick? Yeah, sure. So this is from the Westminster Larger Catechism, um, and it answers the question, what is prayer? And it says this. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God in the name of Christ, by the help of his spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Amen. Um, so, so again, prayer is our conversation with God where we're offering up to God our desires, um, offering a praise to him. We're doing so, uh, important to understand here is we're doing this in the name of Christ. Yep. Our relationship with God is entirely built and founded on Christ uh, and him 
dying in our place and, and making us right with God, right? And the only way you can actually have true communion with God is in Christ. Outside of Christ, any, like I even think of, um, and Jackson, you, you'll relate to this, I assume, like before Christ, I'm assuming there were times when you maybe prayed, or <laughs> prayer, <Yeah>. prayed, <laughs> um, maybe before like a football game or a big test or even cried out in some sort of anguish. Um, but you weren't in Christ. And so the same was for me. And those prayers are not heard by the father because they are outside of Christ. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. I, I think, he th- I mean, he would still hear them. Um, but the, the prayer of the one, the, the first thing that someone needs is to be in, in Christ. Yeah. To be in relationship with Christ, to have access to the father. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of Hebrews. Like we have access to the Holy of Holies and into Christ through, through his blood. And yep. now we can go to him with boldness and confidence. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think, think that's something is that, that heresy? is heresy. No, I don't know. I think that I wouldn't say it was maybe heresy, but I think that that's something that is like, like God, I think he hears, um, but yeah. our, our prayers need to be heard by God from our relationship with Christ. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, they're heard, but not answered. Well, all right, you're you're getting outside the scope of this this podcast, <laughs> man. That's a good question. No, uh, I think God can answer them. Um, he is certainly not obligated to. He's yeah. not really obligated to answer essentially any, any of, of our prayers. Yeah. Um, but especially like if, if we are not first in Christ, then there is just a fundamentally there's a difference in how we relate to God. Yeah. If I am in Christ, then I've been adopted into God's family. Um, I am seen as a son. I am seen as being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, my sin completely forgiven. Um, outside of Christ, uh, the person in their relationship with God is with God as, as judge. Yeah, um, and an enemy of God. Yeah, yeah, the Bible talks about how we're, we're enemies of God. Um, anyway, that's a little bit outside, but it, it is important that in our prayers, like, we, we are in relationship with Christ and through him um, with, with God the Father. Even even in the book of Hebrews and other places, you see like this idea that Christ himself is now at the right hand of God and he is interceding for his people. Yep. So, so we have a, a mediator, an intercessor in heaven um, who, who is an advocate for us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we need to be we need to be in Christ. Right. OK. Sorry about that. No, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I think that's helpful anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll do some research afterwards. Yeah. Maybe that'll just be thought provoking for people. They can think about it. Yeah. That'll be good. Or it gets cut out of the, the podcast. And yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave it. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so now kind of what we want to do. So that gives a little bit of a, just a background on prayer. Um, we want to talk about application. So we, we see that there's this great necessity. There's this need for us to prayer. We've been invited to prayer. It's this great privilege. Um, but how, how do we pray? Right. Yeah, I think how helpful. do we pray? A helpful thing is we can teach about prayer. You can listen on sermons about prayer. Um, you listen to this podcast about prayer. But the best and the, really the only way to grow in prayer prayer is to pray. Um, Andrew Murray, who is a South African minister, um, said in one of his books on prayer, he said this, reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures and talking about it is very good, but won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play an instrument. And so the truth of that is, 
yeah, we can go into a, a music uh, professor and listen to him playing the most beautiful instrument. But unless I practice the instrument, I'm going, I'm not going to learn how to play it. And it's the same with prayer. The best way to grow in our prayer life is to pray. Yeah, we need to pray. In accordance with the scriptures. Yep. So now, now I guess what we kind of want to do now is, is go through some, some of the Bible's teaching on prayer and hopefully give some good application for what that maybe looks like sometimes in our lives. Yeah, how we um, can grow together. Yeah, how, how we can grow. Again, we say it a lot, but Jackson and I are growing in our conviction of, of prayer, and we often falter and are weak in prayer and the other spiritual disciplines. So we are here to grow alongside you guys, to talk about it, to have an open conversation, and hopefully give you some some ways to grow in prayer and Bible intake and as we go on through the spiritual disciplines. Yep. So uh, one thing, and James, you even mentioned this, that, that of course there's a need for us to pray, um, but we've talked about how the scriptures should inform our prayers. Yeah. And in fact, uh, the scriptures do teach us really how to pray. And one of the most prominent places um, among many um, is in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus gives teaching specifically on prayer. So, and, and this is like, this is just so overlooked, I think often misunderstood. Um, but if we're, if we're curious to understand like how should we pray, what should we pray for, uh, this is the place to go. Jesus is, is teaching on prayer. So I'm going to start in verse 5. Um, and we're going to work through this Somewhat slowly, but hopefully draw out some application. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So one of the first things that we should understand about prayer is the necessity for what I'm going to call private prayer. Uh, in, in, in this day, and Jesus is getting at this, but uh, there, there was many people, Pharisees, Sadducees, who would pray publicly. And their desire behind praying publicly was that they would be seen by other people. And Jesus is saying, that should not be a motive of our prayers. Um, but when we do pray, uh, we should seek to pray privately. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for public prayer. We're going to talk about that. But private prayer is essential to the life of a Christian, if that makes sense. So, James, you want to talk a little bit about like what, what that looks like in your life? Some? Yeah, private prayer. Um, so for me right now, and just my, my morning routine would look like, and we've talked about this, but I'm intaking the Bible. I'm inhaling the Word of God. I'm chewing on it through the means of meditation and really studying and scanning over the scriptures, trying to slow down and really reflect on what it says about me, what it says about God, uh, what it says about the implications of how I should live and let that time of studying and inhaling the word of God exhale in prayer to the Lord Mm -hmm. um, in that morning routine. Now I have a newborn baby who's four weeks old and so it doesn't always look perfect and it might be amidst a crying baby that I'm offering up these prayers uh, back to God. But I, but I really think I've been just trying to let my Bible intake lead into a time of prayer. Mm-hmm. Like you said, letting God speak to me and now I'm speaking back to God. And then like all, I mean, we're going to get into this, but the Bible calls us to pray without ceasing. So does that mean we're go we're to go into our closet for the whole day and pray the whole day. 
No, I don't think that's exactly what it means. But what it does mean is that throughout our day, in times of gratitude, in times of strife, in times of trouble, um, in times of um, sin, our first response should be to, to go to the Lord in prayer. It should be like an automatic mechanism. Yeah, we th- the idea is that we need to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. Yeah. So much so that 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 prayer is just being infused into our daily lives. Yeah. We're we're building a lifestyle that that is prayerful. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So that that's the first thing. Um we should we should pray privately. Now, often I think there you know, and there's many people and I certainly used to be this way, but would, you know, we go to church and and hopefully your church prays as a church. Hopefully during this church service, there's prayer. If there's no offer of prayer in the church <laughs> service, that's a problem. Yeah, leave that church. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, hopefully the people in the church are, are spending time together. They're getting to know each other. Uh, they are praying for one another. Um, they are requesting prayers of others for them. All these, all these kind of things. But there also needs to be, in the private life of a Christian, a desire outside of just time in our churches, right, and among other people where we are devoting ourselves to prayer. Does that make sense? So, um, you know, for, for, for me, that, that could even look like time set apart in the morning for, for Bible reading and prayer. Dude, also if you don't set apart time, like, in your schedule to pray mm-hmm. for extended periods of time, it's it's not going to happen. Yep. So I, I just, yeah, that's it, so true. Time, time set apart. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing I've been, sorry, I totally cut you off. No, you're good. And I did it again. That's all right. One thing <laughs> I've been, you have any, anything else to say? No. <laughs> I mean, I do, but you go. Uh, one thing, um, I think I've been, I've been trying to do a lot lately, obviously like time set in the part in the morning for prayer and for Bible reading, but also like during the day, leaving my phone, taking a 10 minute walk. Oh yeah. Meditate. That's so good. Pray. Or. Uh, like when I when I get up in the morning and I go somewhere, um, instead of, you know, listening to something or or whatever it is on my drive, fifteen minute drive to work, fifteen minute drive wherever, to spend that time actually in prayer, like like thoughtful prayer before the Lord, asking, um, pr- praising Him, thanking Him, uh, confessing to Him, and then asking for requests as well, praying for myself, for my wife, uh, for for people in my life, for for the church for all these things, right? Dude, a couple other practical things I'm thinking of is, and I haven't quite created this uh, yet, but like actually finding a way to have like a prayer closet uh, with like air quotes, finding a place in your home or maybe if it's even it's your car, but having a place set out, like when I go to this place, this is where I pray. Um, and even doing it in a in a posture that's like submissive to God, whether it's on your knees um, or with your head bowed down there. I think there's something unique about um, getting in a, in a position that is showing submissiveness to God. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it, it enlivens prayer. Um, I don't know exactly the biblical grounds for that, but I do think that's something, um, a practical thing uh, that's helpful. Another thing that I'm thinking of right now is something that I've been doing is, so, you know, we, we had the phone stuff, Phones are a tool from God. They're not all bad. And one thing your phone can do is give you reminders. So something I've been doing is um, setting a reminder um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday of specific things to pray about. 
uh, whether it be relationships, uh, my ministry with Fellowship of Christian Athletes for um, people that I know that are not saved in my life and just getting that reminder at noon, which means I need to go stop whatever I'm doing. I need to go on a walk and I need to pray for those things. Mm -hmm. And so giving those structures, using your phone as a tool um, to remind you of, of prayer and those things. Yeah, that's excellent. So I don't know, James, unless there's anything else you want to add on that. Um, hopefully those, that's some practical advice. So I do want to mention too, like the biblical grounds for, for public and corporate prayer. So just as we read in the book of Acts, like we see clearly church, uh, churches that are praying together. We see that often. We see the, the apostles meeting together, devoting themselves to prayer. Um, so there's just, and, and part of, part of us being, you know, God is relational just in his being. He, he, we are also in his image made relational. We're made to relate to him. We're also made to relate to people in our lives. Like we, we need people around us and God has given us, uh, the, the church, um, for that purpose that we should exist in community. We should be known and loved by people. Um, and part of that too, like, listen, one of the ways, if, if you want to grow in prayer, you need to get around people who have been praying their lives, their whole lives, and studying God's word. Uh, like, we need to be around people that lift us up in the areas where we are um, younger in our faith or more immature. So being around people who pray. Dude, uh, I have a story about, have I shared this before on the podcast, about how when I like first became a Christian, it was COVID, we were, I was part of this FCA Bible study on Zoom. Have I shared that on here? Uh, I don't know where you, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't know where you're going okay. from there. But okay, so ahead. when I had first become a Christian, um, it was right February 2020 around that time. Um, and we got sent home for COVID from, from NDSU and college football and stuff. So I went back home to St. Cloud and we were still doing this FCA Bible study, <clears throat> but on Zoom now. And it was one of the first times I ever went. And I can't remember exactly what book we're studying, but we end our time and okay, we're going to end in a time of prayer and they start praying and it was like five minutes went by and I'm like, they're still praying. What mm -hmm. all I know is like 30 second prayers and one minute prayers and they're praying and they're petitioning and they're, and they're giving their hearts to the Lord in response to these scriptures. And it was like, my eyes were open and I, and I learned from these men of God, this is how you pray. And so just to your point, there is like, we need to be around people um, who are mature in their faith, who can teach us how to pray. And that was like a, just a tangible example in my life. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, James. So, yeah, again, there's there, there's this need for public prayer. When we come to our church services, that there should be there should be public prayer. Maybe maybe one thing just to do um, on, on Sundays when you're at church, ask someone what you could pray for them for, mm -hmm. or, or look for an opportunity to to share with someone something you've been struggling with and, and ask for prayer. Just other great examples like the church. The church needs to be living with one another, praying for one another. Yeah. And when you pray with other believers, you get to see different facets of, of who Jesus is um, that maybe you have not perceived yet just by hearing um, and praying with others. Yep. Okay. So we should, we should pray both privately and, and publicly in community and fellowship. Um, I'm going to keep going in, in Matthew six here. One more thing. There may not be anything more intimate um, that God has given us then to pray with one another. I'm just even thinking of my relationship with my wife. The other day I was leaving for a weekend um, retreat for, for the ministry and we had like 20 minutes left and it's like, 
you know, she's sad that I'm leaving. Um, I'm sad. It's like, what, how can we spend our last 20 minutes? Like what, what would be, um, like fulfilling and, um, just intentional. And it's like, we had, we took a pause and it's like the most intimate thing we can do right now is pray with one another. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And just realizing and shifting that mindset of like, this is such an intimate thing to be able to do with others, to commune with the father, um, in community. Yeah. Look, there's even, there's even a lot more application there. Like even just existing in our family, like, like that's a small community. Um, if you have a spouse, like make it a practice to pray with them mm-hmm. in the morning before bed at meal times. Um, if you have if you have children, teach them to pray. Uh, meal times, bedtime, all, all that kind of stuff. Like that that's part of what I think it looks like to cultivate this lifestyle of prayer that the Bible is holding up to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for for mentioning that, James. Like we should be praying. Obviously, our our family being the people closest to us. Like we need to find a way to integrate that with our families. Can now maybe jump back into the lord's prayer now yeah i was just going to mention um so i'm just going to keep going in this passage and briefly uh but matthew 6 this now this is verse 7 and he says and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him so just the idea there like our our prayers should be intelligible um that, that we're not just mindlessly repeating things uh, but we are actually intimately speaking with God, if that makes sense. It doesn't mean that our prayers shouldn't be long, um, but they should be in- intentional and intelligible, mm-hmm. right? Now, verse 9, Jesus says, and this is right before the Lord's Prayer, when, when he gives it, he says, pray then like this. And I'm going to stop there. Jesus does not say pray necessarily exactly this way. Or repeat exactly this prayer, especially if you're going to do it meaninglessly, which he just mentioned above not to do. Yep. But he says, pray, essentially pray in this way. So I think when it when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, and this is going to teach us essentially what we should pray for, um, it is not necessarily something just to be repeated over and over again. It certainly can be if it's coming from the right heart posture. Um, but this is a guideline to teach us really what we should pray for. And, and how we should be praying. So then it goes on, obviously, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, tem- into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if, if you want to grow in your understanding of prayer, um, This is going to be a place to look and not just to repeat this again mindlessly, but uh, to actually study and meditate on the things that Jesus is saying here. What are we to pray for? Um, You know, I think it was Martin Luther. He said every morning he would wake up and he would pray some variation of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, So, yeah, I I would encourage you just to meditate and think about that. Um, Another good and this is just a really good resource if you're thinking of and we've quoted this before, but the Westminster Larger Catechism. Um, If you look up that, again, that's the Westminster Larger Catechism. It will break down essentially the Lord's Prayer and it will teach like what is being asked for in the Lord's Prayer. So I just want to give you one example um, and we we, hopefully we can see this and we can understand, you know, that there's more here than than often meets the eye and we can meditate on these things. But question 190 um, in the Westminster Larger Catechism is what do we pray for in the first petition 
of the Lord's Prayer. And it says, in the first petition, which is, hallowed be thy name. So now they're, they're going to explain, what does it mean to pray? Hallowed be thy name. Um, it's a, and their answer to that is, acknowledging the utter inability and indisposition that is in ourselves and all men to honor God aright, we pray that God would, by his grace, enable and include us and others to know, to acknowledge, and highly to esteem him. His titles, his attributes, ordinances, word, works, and whatsoever he is pleased to make himself known by, and to glorify him in thought, word, and deed. We are to pray that he would prevent and remove atheism, ignorance, idolatry, profaneness, and whatsoever is dishonorable to him, and by his overruling providence to direct and dispose of all things to his own glory. Now, you can tell that was written by Puritans because it's very wordy. Um, but the idea is, by, by praying, hallowed be thy name, um, we are praying that we would see God rightly and honor him rightly. We, we would be confessing our, our failure to do that, asking for God to help us. Um, and we would be seeking, like, even by the way that we live, the way that we live, that God's name would be glorified and hallowed um, by, by our lives, Right. So, so that's that's an example. Now they go through they go through the rest of the Lord's prayer in kind of the same fashion. So, if you're thinking of like how to, w- what does this mean to pray like this? I think that's that that's a helpful tool to use to kind of see. Yeah. So the idea here is to not follow it word for word exactly what it says, but to use it as a framework of how to pray. So, for example, uh, in verse nine of Matthew six, our Father in heaven. And just starting with that and giving thanks that you can call him father, mm-hmm. that he has adopted you as sons um, into his kingdom, that he's enthroned in heaven, that he is far above and transcendent uh, of all things in his creation. And so letting those verses lead into um, prayer, if that makes sense. Yeah, even even like coming with the understanding that that because of Christ, like we are relating to God as our father. Yeah. And even notice how in verse nine, it starts with, with God, the father, and it starts with his holiness, hallowed be your name. And I think there's wisdom in, in beginning our prayers with the confession of the character of God and who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, worship, worshiping and adoring God. Right. So that, that's one thing I would just uh, I would I would encourage you guys to to think about and, and read and study and meditate on the Lord's Prayer. Also, um, you know, other examples in the Bible, just things that you could look to. The Psalms, uh, the Psalms are, are definitely books that teach us how to pray. Uh, there's there's just great depth in the Psalms. They're very real and honest about life in a fallen world um, and, and seeking God in the midst of that. Also, uh, one one thing I've been doing a lot lately is looking at at the Apostle Paul. Um, in his letters in the New Testament, and often his letters include like a prayer that he has been praying for the church that he's writing to. So basically what I'm asking is, is how does the Apostle Paul pray for these churches? What does he pray for? Um, and that's, that's a great, that's just another great way to like think about how we ought to pray. Uh, another great resource that I found the other day is uh, this children book that someone got for uh baby lydia uh my daughter and 
It's called The Barber Who Wanted to Pray. And it's a story about, have you heard about that, Jackson? I have, yeah, yeah. So good. It literally like brought me to tears the other day when I was reading it. It was so good. Um, but essentially, it's just Martin Luther, um, his barber asks him how to pray, and he tells a story about it. And he even mentions in there about like teaching children uh, the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed to follow as a framework of how to pray and starting with that as the foundation uh, of a prayer life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, also like th- there's one thing we got to understand in prayer. God, God delights to, to answer our prayers, but also to see us like to see our will for our lives and for the world being conformed yeah. to his will. So even just in the Lord's Prayer, like we see this so much. My, my natural instinct when I pray is to just like repeatedly say, God, would you give me this? God, would you give me that? And the Lord's Prayer is, is correcting us um, from our natural desires and instincts to instead make it our first prayer uh, that hallowed be the name of the yeah, Lord. Would God be glorified in all the earth? And I think... And, and you, you see this with Christians that you're around. Um, and you see this with people who study the scriptures. The, the more we study the scriptures and spend time in prayer, the more that our will is being conformed to the will of God. The, the more that we're, we're really we're asking for the prayers that God delights to answer. So, f- so, for example, even at the end of the Lord's Prayer, like, lead us, uh, lead us not into, th- into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like, one thing... One thing that we should often be praying for and something that I think God delights to answer us in is, God, would you conform me to the image of Christ? Would you make me and my life to, to demonstrate Christ um, in, in his humility, um, in his compassion, in his, in, his, in his patience, all of these things? And recognizing that the way that God might do that might be to put me through some sort of hardship or put mm-hmm. some hard thing in my life. But actually to desire, um, not not the hardship in itself, but the growth, uh, the maturity that comes from it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. To yeah. desire that we would become more godly. Yeah, and there's a really unique truth with that about prayer conforming us to the will of God and really to the image of Christ. Is when the Bible talks about being made in the image of God, uh, there's a characteristic that has been innately put in us. And you can think of it as like we are made as reflectors, um, image bearers. Um, we are to mirror um, who God is. And so, and even the truth, like you become like the five people you hang out with most. There's a truth to that because we be, we reflect what we intake or we reflect um, what we focus on and, and mirror that. And we're created in that way to reflect the glory of God. Now we've abused it and misused it, um, but that truth is, is still innately in us. And so the more time we spend with God, um, in prayer and fellowship, the more we become like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent point. All right, well, we should, uh, let's move on from there. So another thing we wrote down, just again, the Bible says to pray, to pray constantly. Um, and it does say to pray persistently as well. Um, and we've talked a little bit about that. That, that. That's meant to cultivate, like, to pray constantly is to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. To pray persistently, I think, um, the best example of that is the widow in Luke 18. But, um persistently patiently diligently um it is it is not always that our prayers are answered immediately um but persistent and diligent prayer i think god delights in mm-hmm. now the last we have we have a couple of, we have a couple other things um one thing 
and this this may just be helpful in your prayer life, but uh, one thing that we're going to talk about, and we're going to do another episode on this as a spiritual discipline, but is uh, the discipline of fasting, the discipline of fasting. So even just just in our prayers, I think that that fasting um, is is meant in some way to sharpen our prayers. Yeah. So and, if you don't and to sharpen our affections for God. Yeah. Just think some of the listeners might not know exactly what fasting mm-hmm. um, is. So like Christian fasting is, is for going a particular desire or a need um, for the purpose of communion with God. So a lot of times it looks like um, abstaining from food, um, taking a set amount of time to abstain from food for the purpose of uh, communion with God. And under that umbrella is, is, is a specific purpose. Um, if you're just um, going hungry, you're merely just starving yourself. There's nothing Christian about that. Um, but if you are abstaining from food for the purpose of, um, growing in a prayer life, uh, spending that time in prayer. Yeah. Or just letting your hunger pains remind you of, of prayer and, and seeking God. So something, um, that I've been doing lately is using Christian or using fasting, um, for the purpose of growing my desires for God. And so it looks like this. I'm reminded that I'm fasting because I'm starving and I take time to pause and say, God, I desire you more than I desire food right now. Grow me in my desires and my affections for you. Um, and having that particular purpose and maybe for you, um, this is a challenge to find a day of the week to do a 24 hour fast, um, from food for the purpose of asking God to teach you how to pray. Yeah. And see what the Lord might do in that. Yeah, I think also like just that idea like we're not doing this just to do this, but hopefully there's a specific purpose in mind. Like, you know, one example is um, th- there was a there was a young guy in our church that had cancer and there was a group in our church that began to fast and pray on a certain day of the week um, in order to pray specifically for this person, for his family, all of this stuff uh, to seek to seek God in this. Um yeah, it, it's just, I, I think it can it can sharpen our prayers and our affections for God. And I do think it's, um, that, that that's one example, but like, I do think it should have a specific purpose in mind. Yeah, and Jesus expects his followers to fast. Um, throughout the Gospels, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. And so maybe this is a, a healthy um, challenge to um, consider how can I fast? And maybe you're like my wife and you're breastfeeding and you're like, oh, I can't fast from food. There's other ways to fast, whether it be from social media, technology. Um, just a little insight into my family and what my wife is doing right now is she is fasting from house chores uh, on a particular day because that's a big distraction and um, desire, I guess, for her. Um, and so she's abstaining from that for the purpose of growing in meditation on God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, so this should be, again, like, we don't want to be legalistic about this in any way, but yeah. this should be something that is, like, meant to increase our fellowship Well, it's a means God, of grace our, our that God has given us to yep. grow. Yep. And we'll get more into fasting on a And, and we should we should but view it as that. Yeah. N- not like, you know, I'm just starving myself because I think somehow God is simply pleased in me starving myself. Or that's myself. something for, like, the really spiritual people. Yeah, but this <laughs> is like, no, I'm going to set this apart to, to grow um, as a Christian and... and to seek to seek God meaningfully, so that's that's one. Um, the last one, just maybe a practical tip. Uh, I I know a lot of people just enjoy journaling, uh, writing down prayers, um, keep keeping some sort of track or record of 
the prayers that you have been praying. Um, that way, even looking back on them, you can see God's faithfulness to answer them. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess I do this in my life. I, I try to journal a lot of like events, things that are happening. Um, that usually inclu- includes some sort of prayer, but it is a joy even just to go back and, you know, here, here's the situation I was in. Here's how like this was, this sh- shook itself out and you can just see God's faithfulness in That's that. That's great. So another, another way that, that might be helpful for you, I think it's helpful for a lot of people, is actually just to write down and journal uh, your prayers. Okay, I've been sharing like a lot of stories today and maybe like personal things. Um, but this one I, I have to share because it's so good. And we didn't talk about this. but So before on the podcast, I've shared about my, my good friend Marino from Madagascar, the place with the lemurs. And he was over in, in the States a, a month and a half ago or so. And he was the man I've shared before, but him and his disciples spend hours and hours of prayer. And he goes into the woods and he just spends days to pray. And I'm like, Marino, teach me how to pray like this. <laughs> and he looks at me and he he's literally five feet tall. And he looks at me, my friend, here's how I pray. I pray like a little baby. I pray like a little child to the Lord. And what he means by that is like, think of, like I, it's really just fresh in my mind because I just had a baby. But Lydia, she is utterly dependent on me and my wife to take care of her and to teach her how to talk, walk, eat, food, literally everything. We have to teach her and she's dependent on us. And that is how we ought to go to our father in prayer. Like little children crying out to him for help, for need, um, for our desires to, to teach us Um and even in my own life, I've just seen a change in my heart posture of prayer yeah. and, and that reality of, of our sonship in Christ and praying to God like a little child, like a baby crying out for our needs. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Isn't that so? It, it is. Um, I, I do think also that, like, I think God, God being sovereign over all things, like so yeah. many of the hard things Talk that come in our life that come into our life are, I, re- I really think in, in order to increase our dependence upon God, yeah. that we would come to him as children, not, not immature, um, but as dependent yeah. and as needy. Um, and I just, man, I just, how, how often when we get anxious about something or when there's some difficulty in our life, does it push us away from prayer instead of toward it? How, and how backwards that is. Yeah. And like we our, our anxiety, our difficulties, they they might actually even be sent to us by the sovereign goodness of God in order to increase our dependence on Him, yeah. which is which is a blessing to us. Yeah, and we just have the tendency to follow the sixth solo, which is the sola bootstrappa, to pull up our bootstraps and try to do everything on our own strength. Yeah, um, and that is not the Christian life. And I mean, think of John Piper, uh, his famous quote. Um, God is most glorified in us, in our lives, when we are most satisfied in him. And even you can change that when when we are most dependent on him. Um, And prayer is a main means to confess our dependency, to go to God like that. And you said one uh, word that I just want to camp on before we finish here, um, the sovereignty of God and how that affects our prayer. If you want to just touch on that briefly. Yeah, sure. Um, Sorry, as long as you promise not to interrupt me. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm done. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so basically the sovereignty of God. Uh, well, one, 
I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine a more comforting doctrine to the actual, to the, to the Christian than Amen. the sovereignty of God, that God is the one who rules and reigns over all things, that there is nothing that, that comes to us in our lives, which is apart from, from God's sovereign hand. There, there's nothing that, that ultimately that he doesn't know, um, and that he hasn't allowed to come into our life or, or given to us himself, um, and and even in that, like knowing that that what we have, like like Job says when his family dies, he says, um, "The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." Like he understands that uh, even though even though God had God had given to Satan permission to afflict Job, Job Job saw beyond like the the second uh, the secondary agent, and he knew that like ultimately um, it was God that had allowed this to happen. Yep. Right um, now, that is a comfort that is a comfort for us. We know that God is committed to our good. Whatever difficulty we face, we know that it's coming from God and it's for our good. Um, but also, like that gives us assurance that God is competent to answer our prayers. Yeah. Like when we pray for the soul of another person, God is competent to answer that prayer. Uh, when we pray for um, ab- abortion in the United States to, to be stopped, we know that God is competent to answer that prayer. We know that God doesn't stand far off from his creation and just let it, let it, let it go without any involvement in it. Um, but we know that God actually is powerful to answer the prayers we give to him. So that, and I think that should be a, a, a place of tremendous comfort for, for the believer. Well, James, how's that, uh, how's that timer doing? Uh, we're at 49 minutes. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much everything we've, we wanted to cover. Um, so we'll wrap it up here. Uh, we do thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope that you will tune in again. Um, and we do pray uh, that you guys will be blessed by this, um, that you would grow in your grow, prayer life. Yeah, that you'd grow in your in your prayer life. Now, all right, I promise is the last thing I'm going to say, but if we understand these things well and do them, um, time in the scriptures, time in prayer, uh, time fellowshipping with God's people, like we we are set up for spiritual growth. Yeah. We really are. Like these are some just some particular <coughs> means which God has has promised to bless when we engage in them. Uh, so the more that like if we if we do these things right, um, we are we are set up uh, for growth spiritually, growing in godliness and fulfilling the mission why we're here. Just a friendly reminder: if you are breathing today and you are in Christ, you are here to glorify God and to make disciples. Mm-hmm. That is your purpose. The reason that you aren't in heaven yet is because God has a mission for you to make more disciples of Christ. And the only way in which we can do that effectively is if we are tapped into uh, these spiritual disciplines, these means of grace in which God has given us to grow in godliness. And we will be more effective for the kingdom and expanding um, God's dominion on the earth, growing in Christ and reminding ourselves of the mission at hand to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and expanding the kingdom. Let's get it done. We need revival. Come on now. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you tune in again, tune in again sometime and we pray that you'd be blessed where you are today. See ya.